Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit SeekingTruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today is part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 21 and 22. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Hi everyone, welcome tonight for our discussion of Genesis chapter 21 and 22. Do you remember Abraham asking the Lord, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? How hard is it for you right now in this culture, right now today, how is hard is it for you to stay righteous in a world where wickedness is swirling all around? Same thing they had to deal with. Remember in Genesis chapter 6, the Lord said, my spirit's not going to contend with humans forever. They're mortal. Their days are going to be numbered now to 120 years. So he sets a time frame on life. It's, it's, the psalmist now says 80 or 70 or 80 if you're lucky. Then in Genesis 6, things had gotten so bad. The wickedness of man was so great and their imagination and the thought of their heart continually evil, that God was sorry he had made humankind. And it grieved him to his heart. And the Lord said, I'm going to blot out everything I've created. I'm sorry I made them. But one man, Noah, found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And he got to start over with a new creation. And eight and all were saved through those floodwaters. Then we saw Abraham bargaining with God, bargaining with God to save the city of Sodom if he could only find 10 righteous people there because he knew he had relatives. There were not even 10 righteous people in the entire city and only Lot got that pre-warning that Sodom was going to be destroyed. That was a gift from God to Abraham for his nephew. Abraham, three persons speaking in one voice, the Lord came to the tents at Mamre, to the tent of Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, remember, and he sent two of them on, two of the persons were sent on to give Lot a warning. Lot was hospitable to those two angels. And when dawn broke, the angels urged Lot to flee with his wife and daughters. They gave him a warning. They said, do not look back. Do not look behind you. But remember Lot's wife, Mrs. Lot. She never gets a name in the scriptures. Mrs. Lot, the pillar of salt. And the rabbis, I found some information over break. The rabbis in the Midrash and the Agadah, they say that Lot really had four daughters, two of whom were married and two betrothed. The two married daughters and their husbands, along with the two future uh, sons-in-law, bridegrooms, remained in Sodom and perished, leaving Lot with only two daughters after the destruction of the city. And so that's one reason uh, that they give that perhaps the wife looked back because she left two daughters behind uh, and, and their husbands and probably grandchildren and future grandchildren. And so she was longing for her daughter. So she looks back and the minute she saw the Shekinah glory, the divine presence of God, she was turned instantly into a pillar of salt. And those pillar of salts are still there in the Holy Land, rock formations called pillars of salt. There were not even and the rabbis say that Moses got to see the pillar of salt, Lot's wife, when the Lord gave him the view of the holy land, the, the promised land that he was never going to get to see, to cross into. Joshua would do that, but the Lord let him see Mrs. Lot, that pillar of salt. Anyone in the Jewish faith, anyone who saw Lot's wife, that pillar of salt was required to recite two blessings. The first, blessed be the one who remembers the righteous looking back for her, her daughters, expressing thanksgiving and praise to God for having remembered Abraham. 
And the second blessing, blessed be the true judge, which is God Almighty. He is the true judge. That was recited upon hearing of someone's death and recited for the punishment visited on Lot's wife. There was also a Jewish Haggadah, which is like a parable for the Jews. You know how cows like to lick a block of salt? They need the minerals if you've ever been around cattle. Uh, the late Hebrew Haggadah related to Lot's wife standing in her place and every oxen that comes by licks her feet, licking the salt, getting the minerals. She rises every morning once again to the previous shape of a pillar of salt. So we've seen in our study of Genesis so far how since the first sin, since the fall of mankind, sin has been increasing and increasing and increasing, right? We're just seeing sin, 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 sin. If you've been here every week, you've seen a lot of sin. Well, there's been a, <laughs> there's been a progression <laughs> of sin and sinfulness. It's increasing. See, see, it's, it's getting, you know, everything imaginable because wounded mankind is eating deeper and deeper into the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, especially evil. And no one is innocent. But we need a savior. We need Messiah. And Paul says where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So we are all sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ. And this story tonight is a typology. Uh, up at the top of this old painting is, is Abraham and the sacrifice, the binding of Isaac. God did not make him take his son, but God would give his only begotten son for our sake to be that final blood, that human blood, perfect human blood needed to atone for numerous human sin for all time. So many of the artists start seeing this connection. And once the veil is lifted, people see it. But a little more sin before we get into that story, because we didn't finish about the paternal incest in Genesis chapter 19, what happened to Lot and those daughters. And it's a very serious matter because many people even today have faced some type of uh, paternal or maternal incest or child abuse, and it's a big secret. It's not something people talk about. It's something shameful, something that's kept in and has kept the person in bondage for years and years until they can finally be set free by the saving love of Jesus. Incest is sexual relations between people classed as being too closely related to marry one another. The crime of having sexual intercourse with a parent, child, sibling, or grandchild. And it happens way too often. So after Mrs. Lot was turned into a pillar of salt, Lot went up from Zoar and dwelt in the hills with his two daughters. And he was afraid to dwell in Zohar, so he dwelt in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, our father's old, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. We, we get another episode of drunkenness. We had this also with Noah, and there was also maternal incest with Noah. Noah got drunk, and Ham went and slept with his mother, Mrs. Noah, and we had maternal incest. Now we have Lot, the male, the father, again, drunkenness and paternal incest is the sin. And 
on the next day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. And then you can go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring through our father. And so they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she laid down or when she arose. So what's the result of this sin? The father didn't know anything was happening, but both daughters get pregnant by their father. And I want you to know this because it's important in Bible history that you know where these countries originated from. Both of of the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. We're told in Genesis 19, the firstborn bore a son and his name was Moab, little Moab. And he became the father of the Moabites. And we'll hear about them all throughout the Bible because they are a real thorn in the side of the Israelites. Moab means in Hebrew from the father. It's paternal incest. And the Moabites will start in time to worship the god Chemosh, little g-god. And are there any good Moabites? Yes, Ruth is a Moabite. And she's listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. As it's rare for a woman to be mentioned, but very rare for a Moabite woman to be mentioned. She uh, converted to Judaism with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Uh, but she becomes the great-grandfather of King David, and she's a Moabite. Now, the other sister, the younger one, also bore a son, and she named him Benami. And he is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Benami means son of my people. And the Ammonites will also be a thorn in the side of the Israelites as they're trying to conquer territory in the promised land. They will have a new little G god that they call Molech or Milcom. And he's a Canaanite god associated with child sacrifice through fire or war. And they would burn their babies to offer to the god Moloch in a big oven where they would place their children. Can you imagine a culture killing their own babies and saying, in God we trust? Hmm. Hmm. And so it goes. What comes around goes around. So we're in Genesis chapter 20 tonight. And from there, Abraham is going to journey toward the territory of the Negev. The Negev is a desert region in southern Israel. If you look at the red part of this map of Israel, that's the Negev Desert Territory in the south. 4,700 square miles, 55% of the country of Israel desert. And uh, it joins up there on the side with the Sinai Peninsula. Abraham dwelt between Kadesh and Sur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And this is the area we're talking about where the red arrow is pointing. And he said, and Abraham said of his sister, Sarah, er, I'm sorry, let me start over. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you are a dead man because you have the woman you have taken. She is another man's wife. So we've heard about this before, right? They did the same thing with Pharaoh of Egypt. Remember, this is God's pedagogy, how he's teaching them over time. She's another man's wife. Abimelech had not approached her yet. We know that. He said, Lord, will you slay an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said to me, he is my brother. The integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I I have done this. And the Lord said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. And it was I, I, the Lord, the God of Abraham. It was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. 
Now, Abimelech doesn't know this God, but he's a pretty uh, powerful God. He's appearing to him in a dream. It's, he's saying, I'm the one who have protected you, King Abimelech. And go and restore the man's wife. Go and restore Abraham's wife. For Abraham is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live, King Abimelech. But if you do not restore her, then know for sure that you will die, and all that is yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning. This really shook him up. He called all his servants. He told them these things, and the men were very, very much afraid. They are afraid of Abraham's God. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what have you done to us? How have I sinned against you that you brought me and my kingdom such a great sin? You have done these things to me that you ought not to have done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what were you thinking of? Why did you do this thing? And Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God in all this place. So he's trying to introduce his God, the God of Israel. They didn't know God. They don't fear God. There's not an awe of one true God. And he knew they would kill him because of his wife. So we find out something that Abraham and Sarah are related. They both have the same father, Terah, but they have different mothers. So they are only half brother and half sister. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So that says that in Genesis, we know their halves. So Abraham and Sarah are technically not lying because they are half brother and half sister. And are they trusting God? Well, if you look back when Abraham got the call in verse 20, chapter 20, verse 13, he said, God caused me to wander from my father's house. And I said, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. He told Sarah that before they ever left Ur of the Chaldeans, that when, wherever we go, we got, you got to say, you're my sister. This was a form of protection. This is how they could, they had to get through this territory. And this was a way they could do it without lying. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. He restored Sarah, his wife to him. And Abimelech said, behold, my land is before you dwell where it pleases you. King Abimelech gives him any spot he wants to settle because out of fear for the God of Abraham, he knows this God is powerful. And to Sarah, he said, behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is your vindication in the eyes of all who are with you and everyone that you are righted. So King Ambibalek publicly vindicates Sarah. She has done nothing wrong. I have not touched her. She is Abraham's wife. I'm giving Abraham all these gifts, all this money. And Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech. So he knows Abraham's God is powerful. He healed his wife and his female slaves so they could bear children. He had sealed their wombs when Sarah came into the camp, but now he's opened them free again. They can bear. If you can't produce children in a society like this, you become extinct. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So the Lord was protecting them and they are just trying to survive. Now the Lord visited Sarah and he said, and the, just as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Remember the Lord said in one year's time, I will come and visit again and Sarah will have a child. So the Lord visited Sarah as he had said he would. So we see God's involved in this getting pregnant. Uh, uh, it, it's not, it's going to be Abram's spermatos, but like Mary was hovered with a cloud. It was the Holy Spirit spermatos. You know, it was the Holy Spirit that did this. This will still be with Abraham, but it's going to be a 
supernatural birth, a miraculous birth for this old barren woman. And Sarah conceived a baby at age 90. (laughs) Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Now, the Lord had visited, remember, the three persons at the tent at Mamre. And he said, I will return to you in the spring and Sarah shall have a son. And she did. It was a supernatural birth. We know that because Sarah was advanced in age. She tells us it had ceased with Sarah to be after the manner of woman. She's done having babies or having the possibility to have babies. Her menstrual cycle is over. She has been dry and barren for years. She is 90 or 91 because we don't know when her birthday fell. It is a supernatural conception. God has a hand in this. God has visited them. God has made them to become pregnant. And Sarah has a baby, and it must have been the apple of her eye, little Isaac, to hold a baby after 91 years of waiting. Abram called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And we know what Isaac means, laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And you're laughing again. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And you guys did. (laughs) You did. Before this passage was even read, you were laughing. It's funny. It's hum- it, it's, it makes us laugh, doesn't it? It's the joy of the Holy Spirit. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that, that Abraham and Sarah would suckle children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. She loves this kid. She loves this baby Isaac. He has brought joy into the camp. He has brought laughter. And the child grew. And the child grew and was weaned. And when you're living in the Negev desert and there is no water, you nurse that baby as long as you can. Sarah has had milk come in to her body and she can nurse this baby and she will nurse him as long as she possibly can. And on the day when Abraham calls a feast on the day that Isaac was weaned, and I'm guessing that that would be about three years because that's what it was for Hannah. She took her son when he was three years to the temple to Eli. Uh, I would guess that, that she nursed him about three years or more if she could. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son, Isaac. Well, isn't that nice? The boys were playing together. (laughs) It's what what every parent's dream is that your boys would play together. But when you look up other translations, it says he was taunting him. He was laughing at him. He was laughing in mockery. He was teasing him. He was making fun of him. He was mocking him and he was poking fun at him. And nowadays we would say he was bullying him. And she said to Abraham, cast out this woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. She wants Isaac to have the full inheritance. He is the son of promise. He is the son from the supernatural birth with her husband. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. And that would be Ishmael. But God said to Abraham, do not be displeased because of the lad and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. It is for through Isaac that your descendants shall be named. So God himself is telling Abraham, do what Sarah says. It's through Isaac. I know you love Ishmael, but, but place yourself in Abraham's sandals for a minute. Ishmael's not a baby. He was 13 when he was circumcised. 
He'd be 14 by the time Isaac's conception and birth rolled around. Then she weans him another three years. This kid's at least 17. And Isaac's three-year-old, he just got weaned. And you got a 17-year-old teasing a three-year-old. How does that make you Mama Bears feel out there? <laughs> Protective of your baby. Of your baby, the sole heir, the promised child, the son of Abraham, the one I gave him, the one who has the inheritance, the one who has the promise of God. And I know what happened to Cain and Abel. They were good brothers too. <laughs> were. Be not displeased because of the lad and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah tells you to do, God said, do as she says. Through Isaac, your descendants will be named. So it's clear that Isaac is the promised son. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman. I will protect Ishmael. I'm going to make a whole nation out of him because he also is your offspring, Abraham. So we're learning about obedience and faith tonight. And they always go together. And obedience leads to faith. And Abraham has had a whole life of things where he didn't quite obey and he didn't quite obey and it didn't go so well and he didn't quite obey and he didn't do this and he took matters into his own hand and, 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 and he's learning. This is God's pedagogy over time. If you obey the Lord, your faith increases. I like this picture. Obedience leads to faith. At first I read it, faith leads to obedience, but no obedience faith is far back you've got to start with obedience you've got to obey the lord and the more you obey and the more you obey and the more you obey the lord your faith increases you know this from life right things you've been through you blew it you recovered you blew it you recovered you start obeying the lord you're, you get an increase in faith so abraham rose early in the morning he took bread and he took a skin of water and he gave it to hagar a skin of water they're going to be dead in two days in the Negev. She put it on her shoulder along with the child. That's not a 17-year-old, by the way. <laughs> Artists need to read the scriptures before they make a painting. They need to study, and not just that verse. They need to know the whole canonical story, right? He sent her away, and she departed. Now think of this. He's lived with her for 17 years. He loves Ishmael. He's been his son for 17 years, his only son. They've done a lot together. They've hunted together. They've gathered together. They, whatever, you know, they did back then, they did it together, looked at the stars at night. And they're being sent away from the camp. Go. Isaac will be the only son of promise. Ishmael is the firstborn son. Isaac will be the only son, the only beloved, begotten son, it says later. So we have Ishmael, 13 when circumcised, 14 when Isaac grew in his mother's womb, 17 after Isaac's weaning. Ishmael was at least 17 years of age when this happened. They go, they wander into the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, Hagar must be thinking, this is not my first time in the desert. You know, this is not her first rodeo. And what I mean by that, if you remember when she was pregnant, before when she was newly pregnant, it was Sarai's idea for her to sleep with her husband Abraham. Maybe God wants a child through her for me. And Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Cana. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. That is the Jewish scripture. That is the Torah. Abraham gave her husband to her as a wife. So she becomes his second wife. And that's both the Quran and the Jewish Bible both admit she is a wife. You sleep with someone, you have their child. That's your wife. He's teaching them. And so he went into Hagar. She conceived. And when she, Hagar, saw that she, Hagar, had conceived, she, Hagar, looked with contempt on her mistress, her boss, Sarai. 
And Sarai said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my maid to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. And Abram then said in Genesis 16, may the Lord judge between you and me. Abram said to Sarah, behold, your maidservant is in your power. Do with her as you please. And Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar and she fled from her. Remember that it was so harsh. It was so bitter in that household. It was so abusive to Hagar that she, a newly pregnant woman, would go out into the Negev desert, which means death. It was so bad with Sarai that a pregnant woman would go to the harsh desert conditions rather than stay in Sarai's household. And when she's in that desert the first time, 17 years ago, the angel of the Lord found her, this pregnant woman, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. 17 years ago, she must be having deja vus. There she is again. She's, uh, she's out in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere. But this time, the kid that was in her belly is now next to her, a 17-year-old male. And the angel said, Hagar, maid of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel of the Lord promised her that I will greatly, so greatly multiply your descendants, Hagar, that they will not be able to be numbered for multitudes. She gets the same promise Abraham got, numerous children through you, Hagar, numerous, multiple. And the angel of the Lord said, behold, you are with child, you shall bear a son, you will call his name Ishmael. And Ishmael means God has heard, or God will hear. Will God hear her again this time? Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now this kid of yours, Ishmael, he will be a wild ass of a man. And his hand against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called on the name of the Lord who spoke to her. This Egyptian maidservant has the first name for God. She names God. Thou art a God of seeing. She said, have I really seen God and remained alive after seeing him? Hagar named Abraham's God, God who sees me. She's in the middle of nowhere. She's crying out to the Lord and God saw her. This is a pretty amazing God. The fear of God is struck in her heart. He hears you when you cry out to him. He sees you. The predicament you're going through right now, he sees you. He knows you. He hears you. He hears your cry. She called the place Belahiroi, which lies between Kadesh and Berar. Berahiloi, the well of him that liveth and the well of him who seeth me. Abraham's God is alive. Abraham's God sees me. Abraham's God hears me. So he's 17 now, Ishmael, and she's going to try it again. She has to go out there and cry out to the Lord again. It's kind of deja vu. Is he going to hear me this time? Because I got a kid now. I got a 17 year old and we're thirsty and our water's almost gone. Will God see me this time? Will you hear me this time, Lord? Will you hear my cry now? Are you still there? Are you still living? Are you still looking at me? Will he that liveth and see her 17 years ago notice her again? That was part one of the book of Genesis, chapters 21 and 22, on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.